So this is the last uh, day of this retreat. Tomorrow is a full moon <clears throat> of October, the end of the Vasa, the Pavarna day. I'm putting these, what I'm saying, these words are conventional, aren't they? I mean, they mean nothing to somebody who's not a Theravadan Buddhist, Pavarana day, <laughs> end of Vasa. It's a kind of language and tradition. And that's the, <clears throat> just recognizing conventional reality, samuti satya, or conventional truth, this is, you know, this is the the appearance, the the greed of forms and the language, the conditioned realm, <clears throat> and so we we you know we as human beings we have the ability to to uh, create conventional conventions for ourselves. And then the problem is that we touch to the conventions. We, 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 we live in a realm of ideas, conventions, conditions, assumptions, feelings, views and opinions. And so that is, uh, you know, some of the conventions are good, some are not very good, some are really bad uh, conventions because they are uh, created then they then they have their various uh, functions they can be used well or misused they can help us remind us lead us onward or completely uh, bind us to birth and death to fears and desires and egos and fixed positions. So this uh, mindfulness then is, uh, is the opportunity and the Buddha, you know, could see the suffering that, that is involved with this identity and attachment to the conditioned realm, to conventional reality, to the self-view. Now the Bharamatta Satya, or ultimate reality, ultimate truth, that's, uh, that has no boundary, no definition. So it's not, con it's not a convention, it's not a, a form, it has no, no, uh, no quality to it. So it's usually Point, you know, the, the Pali terms like Nibbana, Shunyata, Anatta, unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, Ajatdang, Aputang, Akatang, Asankatang. No, there's no, you know, so it, even the words are, you know, they, they're different words, but they point to the, the you know, to, this, just this point of attentive awareness, this is, this is the gate, the, the door, the way that a human individual can recognize Bharamatta Satcha, here and now, <clears throat> while still having to deal with the conventional realities, the body, you know, the physical body we have, and the, and its sensations, and the emotional tendencies, habits, the karma, cultural conditioning, etc. You know, so it's, otherwise there's no possibility of uh, getting any perspective on the conditions, except kind of list them in terms of best, better, you know, the best, or What's good, better, best, bad, worse, worst.
So I've always, you know, I think that this, uh, this teaching of the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, I think this is, to me, this is such a brilliant paradigm of reality because, you know, you see the problems that other religions have or philosophers because when you have a, a God, you know, then it, it tends to have this sense of a, of a being, a supreme being, a, a form of some sort, a creator, some, somebody, something that does something. And of course, then you get into, you know, the problems that people have when they're operating, when they have, don't have the perspective of the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Mindfulness, in other words. We just create forms about the uncreated and give them, you know, qualities like God is a, as a trinity, you know, the arguments about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So this is why Christianity tries to deal with this. But notice in this, uh, in the Theravada structure, the Pali with the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. This, this is a perspective through mindfulness, it's not, you know, so it's uncreated, unborn, unformed, unconditioned. So this prefix, un, you know, a negation. Uh, and so it's, it, but it, so it, it doesn't give you anything to grasp. You can't grasp, I mean, you grasp the word, the concept. But it's really meaningless, you know. What is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, when you try to think about it? imagine it or conceive it as something, what does your mind do? You know, so just examining your own thinking process. I believed in the unborn. Does that make sense in terms of Buddha Dhamma? I take refuge in the unborn, uncreated. Does that make sense? Because, you know, there's this grasping of the word, the concept with a sense of myself, I believe. I take refuge in the unborn, things like that. It's kind of pointless, isn't it? Absurd. We get tangled up, trip ourselves up with our uh, trying to conceive and create rather than trust in just awareness, mindfulness, intuitive awareness or that, that consciousness that is, that was non-grasping. And that, the way that that's, that's recognized is through awareness. You can't, you can't see it from a personal position, the personality and the, and the identities that one has with the five khandhas get in the way. But there is a, you know, especially in the Western world, you know, the non-Buddhist world, it's very much, we have to define things and describe things to actually feel that, you know, the, the reality. We want to know about God or about ultimate reality and define it and think about it, analyze it. Because that's, our culture is very much a, a culture based on uh, the assumption of conditioned phenomena is as the real world. You know, the, the conditions are our reality, our physical bodies, our feelings, our, our con, you know, the cultural attitudes. Look what culture does, cultural arrogance. It, it, it tends to, you know, Look at the the modern Western attitude about, you know, the kind of conceit that we have about being progressive and advanced. 
we can be quite patronizing towards the, you know, the old, the traditional, everything modern, better than the than what we had in the past. It, you know, so then we, you know, we we don't know what we're doing. We're merely conditioned to think like that. The conceit of a self, where we define ourselves through the the physical body and through the uh, thinking process, the memories, ideas that we get through social, cultural conditioning. So I used to think, now try to imagine the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Try to do it, you know, quite intentionally, try to create an image, you know, like the word imagine is, is imaging something, isn't it? Imaging the unimaged, that's impossible, isn't it? Where, say, like God or, uh, you know, creator deity or that, you know, that's, uh, we can, we can create kind of, uh, you know, patriarchal forms of a father god or a mother deity or it goes into uh, qualities and conditions again. It doesn't stop the mind from creating, it just, you know, creates. And and that creation is, is of course, limited to the concept of quality, the form that's created. And yet, with mindfulness, we can actually begin to get, have perspective on that whole tendency, on that illusion of a self, of creation of I am, me and mine, of all the kind of prejudices one might have through cultural conditioning, identities with qualities like male or female, or or good or bad, or the best, worst, European, Asian, and all the rest. These are conventional realities. So it's not a, you know, we call it conventional truth, samuti satya, or, you know, it's it's a kind of acknowledgement of it, you know, it is like this, conventional, samut, and then there's baramatta, ultimate. Now ultimate baramatta satya doesn't have any boundary condition, So you can't imagine it. I can't. You know, get them up with, when you try to imagine the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned with thought, you end up with annihilation or nihilism or, you know, it goes to that extreme on the, on the thought level. Nothing, you know. It's nothing. It's empty. No self. It's just, and then, then the thinking process, what does that do when we think of there's nothing, no self? And try to think about no self and nothingness, it becomes like a annihilation, destruction. And then when we try to conceive the things as the best, the ultimate reality is the best. Paramatta Satcha is the best, the highest. You get a kind of, you get this structure again as opposed to the annihilationist, the nihilistic one. You know, so you've got this Gama Sukhalikanu Yoko Attakilamatanu Yoko in the, in the, uh, First sermon. Gama Sukhalika, the Buddha said that the Matjima Bhattibhata is the middle way rather than Gama Sukhalika Yoka, which is like eternalism, which is eternalism always would have the best. 
and then the then the annihilation, nihilism, is its opposite. So this this is the the way of thinking, of conception, of creation, of the born, the condition. Now, Matima Bhattibhata doesn't mean a kind of mediocre compromise between these two. It's not being fair and giving equal equal importance to to annihilationism and eternalism. <laughs> That's ridiculous, isn't it? It's not about thinking anymore. It's no. It's non-conceptual. It's intuitive. <clears throat> it's not about feeling, or you know, it's not about how things should or shouldn't be. It's not idealistic, but it's reality. It's this is real. It's just this. So when you, but it doesn't seem like anything to the personality or the cultural identity, the conditioned realm. It's worthless. Doesn't have any value. Where our conditions have values, don't they? The best condition. Or the worst condition is just get rid of it, you know. Annihilate it and, and try to hold on to the best what's valuable and what's worthless, useless, unwanted, unloved. So this, like, this reflection is just exploring my own thinking process, how my intellect works, you know, how I tend to, you know, the, how the, the kind of attachment to analysis, to thinking, to reason and logic to principles, ideas, to conventional reality, even very good conventions. Identity with fear, my fear, my problems, my anger, my lust, my confusion, my practice, my space. We even claim space, don't we? We say, I hear some of you talking about my space, my process. She, she's having her process. I hear nuns talking like that. We're going through our process. I don't know what that means. But it's, uh, you know, my space, my opinion is like this. It, it, when I grasp this, then I, I have this sense of, of, uh, kind of isolation of being an object in a vast universe. The space, can we claim space? <clears throat> so it, it, uh, you know, space doesn't have an owner, does it? You, you can think, you, you know, this is, this is my space, but it, space is not, not owned by anybody. It's not personal. Consciousness. We don't, what is consciousness in the thinking process? What is the relation of thought to consciousness? Because the word itself is a, is a, is a thought, isn't it? It's a concept. Consciousness, minyana, jitta, in Pali. And what is thinking, you know, in relation to Consciousness and feeling, and so it's like noticing this is a sense realm. This is a a realm of sensation that we're experiencing through birth, the for, the uh, the birth of the body. This is what birth is about, you know, being born, created, formed, conditioned. Is like this. It's a, it's about sensitivity. The planet, the solar system, the sun and the moon, all this is formed, created, born. 
and then we think, well, when was the sun created? And who created the sun and the moon and the solar system? And then we start thinking from the the little peewee mind that we uh, that we think we, that we claim is our kind of conceit. We can figure everything out. We can make proclamations about ultimate reality. We can say there is a God, or we can say there isn't any God. You know, the atheist, or the, you know, there's no God, just a big bang creation, accident in the universe. We can, when we can justify, we can kind of prop up our particular positions with reason and logic. <clears throat> but to be the observer of thinking process, Well, that's awareness, isn't it? It's not me trying to think about myself, judge myself, or about thinking about thinking, or trying to get rid of thinking, because I, I think that thinking is, is an obstruction. You know, so I can form a view. Uh, I think thinking is, I mean, what, <laughs> just, uh, you know, get stuck in that, in total confusion that way. So notice like awareness, sati sampatanya, sati panyam, the gate, the door, where then consciousness is like this. It's no, it has no boundary. It's not a thought, it's not a, a feeling. It's not a sensation, but it's recognizable. It's reality, in other words. This is the reality. But it's nothing in itself. You know, it doesn't have a, a quality of, uh, you know, being the best or bliss or wonderful or absolutely fantastic or anything else. It's, it's, but it's certainly recognizable. So, like intuitive awareness, uh, intuition isn't about, we tend to think of intuition as more about our feelings. I have a feeling, an intuitive feeling about this or that. Feelings are conditions, aren't they? This, this is a feeling realm, so feeling is, is uh, very unstable experience, because it's changing all the time. You know, so it's, a, you know, the feeling realm, being continually bombarded by, through the senses. From the time you're born to the time you die, you know, you're, you're in a continuous, unrelenting uh, irritation of the senses. Even when we sleep, we dream, you know, we, we can, you know, we, we maybe going unconscious or something like that. What are we are really unconscious when we're not, uh, say, functioning from, you know, being what we call conscious? Is consciousness just the reality of me when I'm awake. You know, these are, this is a way of investigating. Or is consciousness, you know, in terms of the uh, consciousness, space and consciousness, earth, fire, water and air, the elements. So contemplate this, you know, just I like space, visual space. Because it's, um, you know, this you can, in, using seeing, the ability to look and observe space and form, how space is like this, and then the forms in the space. And this is what we call perspective, isn't it? <clears throat> we have perspective, and, and so 
they depend on each other. You, you know, if you can't, you just can't have forms. It'd be a jumble, isn't it? It's just uh, impossible. But space is, but we can just go from one form to the next. The proliferating, thinking, habitual, feeling, reacting, according to our karma. I am the owner of my karma, heir to my karma, so I just react according to liking, disliking, uh, conditioned attitudes around fear and desire and identity. And not notice space or anything else, just even though it's here and now, nothing mysterious, nothing, you know, that is esoteric and arcane about it. It's, it's all around us, with us all the time. It's just notice. So notice space. And to notice space, it's just a matter of paying attention to it, rather than giving your interest, your, your, uh, you know, just being caught up in your thinking mind or your fascination or judgments around the conditions, the forms in the space. So space, consciousness, immeasurables. You got the immeasurable jhanas. What are they? Are they some kind of highly attained? Refinement. That's what they sound like. When you read Visuddhi Magga, it sounds like this is the, you know, first jhana, second jhana, third jhana, fourth jhana, then the immeasurable jhanas, space, consciousness, nothingness, and neither perception or non-perception. You know, this is language, isn't it? This is a, Language is confuses. Because we can get so, you know, complicated in the way we think and the terminologies we use. <clears throat> Try to figure out what neither perception or non-perception is by thinking. Have you ever tried to do that? Or just dismissed it? It just sounds too too subtle, too refined. Neither... What in the hell is that? Neither perception nor non-perception. And yet we're using perception to think about neither perception. Where do you get... How can you get around that? So we tend to just, well, I'm not ready for that yet. And then we form, you don't need jhanas, just vipassana. <clears throat> we form opinions about, uh, you know, because when it gets too, we think of this as subtlety and advancement and, and refinement, rather than observing this whole process of thinking which is all about, you know, conditioned phenomena. And it can be, you know, like unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. What is that, you know? Space, though, you can actually witness visually. Like in the, a lot of space in this temple. That's one thing nice about this. There's, it's so high, you know, it's high, it's not just like the sala, you know, with that low ceiling, kind of that flat low ceiling hanging over your head all the time. You notice how, you know, like cathedrals and mosques and they, they, the kind of grandeur lies in that they, they rise up. They're not just flat ceiling, kind of suffocating uh, ceilings above your head. It's like it, it kind of goes up into a, a sense of spaciousness in these uh, Gothic cathedrals. One of the most beautiful ones in Portugal, Alcobacha, one of the most gorgeous Gothic basilicas I've ever seen. You go in there and just the architecture, you know, you kind of 
stops the mind. Start, you know, you kind of the worldly mind just kind of goes into emptiness. So you know, the form does. Uh, you know, that, that's what you know. Religious architecture, you know, helps us to kind of just stop us from being caught in the square world of uh, earth, fire, water, and air, and me and liking, disliking, and so forth. So noticing how things are, you know, is, is and, and the thinking process and the limitation of thinking and reason and logic or just emotions, you know, just emotions are never reasonable. You know, they, you feel like this even though you don't want to feel like this. You know, so you, you feel angry when you know you shouldn't be angry if you're a really good samana. You should have metta. You feel resentful or inferior or superior or whatever, even though ideally maybe you don't want those kind of feelings. But they happen, don't they? How can you, you know control feelings, make only, have only the feelings you think are reasonable and sensible. I've never seen any feelings as, as reasonable. And this is a feeling realm, and this is a feeling formation. This is a planetary system. It's, it's mysterious, because we, you know, from our pea brain, our peewee brain, we, we're trying to make proclamations about ultimate reality from a very limited conditioned process. You know, this is hubris, isn't it? Where we assume the position of, of uh, that we can know everything, we, we can figure everything out. So I, this cartoon I've always liked of two fleas walking on, on a dog, you know, they have this kind of, you can see it's kind of a dog form, and these two fleas philosophizing about the nature of ultimate reality. And this one flea saying to the other, you know, I no longer believe in the reality of dog. <laughs> so this is, it's what we do, isn't it? You've got Dawkins and people like that. <laughs> now in uh, mindfulness then we're not believing or denying anything but observing. And this, uh, you know, in the Thai first tradition of the, the mantra Puto, this is because my, when I started meditating, I learned through, uh, the Abhidhamma approach and the Burmese Mahasi Sayadaw tradition. And so it was very prescribed and, uh, and, and, it, and one tended to interpret it too much from, uh, the rational mind that there's no self, no God, no soul, no no. And that all conditions are impermanent. <clears throat> and so it's, uh, but then, you know, on the, so one grasps that perception, you know, there's absolutely no self, no God, no soul. And then you, you know, you, then you, you have these various meditation techniques that you're supposed to practice with and but with these perceptions influencing your you know how you interpret experience so I found myself you know getting quite confused by it because uh, you know trying to to deny everything there's no self no God no soul Nibbana is extinction and, and these kind of concepts, you know, can't help ending up with annihilation as a result.
At least that was my beginning faith. That's how I started. I was quite willing to. You know, I'm not particularly eager to believe in God or anything like that. I'm quite an oblivion. Annihilation is not something I'm frightened of. You know, it's a you know, personal level. I'd like to just be, you know, disappear into a void. That doesn't frighten me personally. The idea of living happily ever after in the, with God up in heaven does not appeal to me on a personal level. <clears throat> you know, it's not an attractive option. Even though that's how I was brought up. The uh, annihilation is more, you know, they prefer just to disappear, not exist. Now this is a personal karmic tendency. Uh, people have different, you know, personal tendencies in this respect. So then the, when uh, Lumpur Cha talking about in the Thai forest, you find Ajahn Man and the Thai forest Ajahns use this Bhutto and then they translate it uh, the one who knows in Thai Puru and so so I was learning Thai too trying to learn the Thai language and this uh, knowing this Bhutto suddenly as a mantra as a as a word, a conventional form, knowing, you know, suddenly it all began to, you know, it wasn't just annihilation of knowing and, and consciousness as a kind of end of consciousness where everything is, drops into a, you know, into a, a totally a, a nihilistic void and total oblivion. But working from this existential reality of a physical form, physical body, this body here that I claim is mine, beginning to just get, the, recognizing it's like this, having a body sitting, breathing, is like this. And what is it that is aware of sitting and breathing? Or thinking? Or, you know, being intelligent, rational, sensible, practical, logical, or being emotional all over the place. Frightened, angry, greedy, jealous, worried, anxious, self-conscious. So then this, 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 uh, Paradigm. There is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Now this is beyond imagination, but it's reality. So, you know, this try to imagine it is is a impossible task. So give up imagining, and just trust yourself to be the awareness at this very moment. It's empty. You know, it's not like it you become anything, you just let go of everything. There's nothing to attain, nothing to achieve, nothing to get or get rid of. Just relax and be this sati-sampachanya, sati-panya, here and now. So then puto, puto was you know, the, the, this, the, what Buddha really began, the word Buddha, rather than become, you know, just some kind of name and, and uh, religious name or some sage of the past, you know, it has, it's, it's an actually useful word because it's just this, it's knowing. And this is what consciousness is, is knowing, isn't it? It's not, it's not a kind of, uh, flat thing that that ends in a void thinking does feeling does arising ceasing but that which is beyond that we can't experience the arising and ceasing but we can recognize 
So that that must be the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Just like visual consciousness through the through the eyes, observing space. Now take that just as a as a as an experiment where you you're 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 determined to just observe space doesn't mean you have to get rid of the forms in it, annihilate the forms. You know, the forms aren't uh, hiding the space. It's the attachment to form that we don't, that we aren't aware of space and we, you know, we just operate from our attachment to views, opinions, conditions. So we just, you know, go, get caught up in the in in the liking this, wanting that, thinking like this, problems of the world, isn't it? Personal problems, personal everything, values, judgments, all about condition phenomena. <clears throat> so it's like with mindfulness, then just on visual level, space when you when you kind of let go of the forms in it, doesn't mean you're not, you're not annihilating them. You're just not taking interest in them. You're not going habitually from one thing to another and you're just, to be aware of space, let go of the forms in it, that's all. Space is here and now. And then through that, then you begin to feel spacious because you're not, you know, you're not Binding yourself all the time to the limitation of your thoughts and emotions and and uh, conditions, whatever we attach to, you know, it, we become like that out of ignorance. We become what we're attached to. So we are always binding ourselves, limiting ourselves to conditioned phenomena and wonder why life is suffering and so forth. Who's to blame for it? <clears throat> Where space, you can't attach to it, you can observe it. You know, you can try to attach to the space in this temple. You know, reach up it doesn't, you know, there's nothing to grasp, but it's certainly recognizable, isn't it? Just uh, through eye, through a seeing, seeing it, it's observable. Nothing subtle or mysterious. So you see, what I'm doing is just opening up, you know, to to have this perspective, space and form, rather than just intellectualizing about space, thinking about space, observing it. You don't have to think about it, it's, it's here and now, it's observable, recognizable. Consciousness, is that limited to the brain we have or to the conditions that we think? Is consciousness just another condition created out of ignorance? So in, uh, you know, you have this consciousness is, is here and now, it's non-personal, it's recognizable, but it, it doesn't have any quality to it other than knowing. It's the knowing. It's intelligent, it's discerning, it's not like a a dumb knowing or a, a kind of zombie trance or something like that. It's So we have consciousness through the senses, so we experience, you know, we tend to think of consciousness and the senses. Sensual consciousness is... So the senses are limited, aren't they? The, you know, the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, the thinking 
conceiving mind. Those are conditioned phenomena, but but consciousness is it you know when when you begin to recognize realize non-attachment there's still consciousness it doesn't you're not unconscious when the buddha you know in the tradition when the buddha was alive he didn't go become unconscious but consciousness was no longer influenced by ignorance and grasping Now then there's uh, another reflection I've used a lot is the point that excludes and the point that includes. You know, so just the English word point is like, to me a point is just like a dot. And, And if you, you know, like a dot on a piece of white paper, that's a point. But when you focus on the point on the white paper, then that's what you absorb into is the point that excludes everything else. <clears throat> and that's like uh, samatha practices, isn't it? Where uh, you, you focus on an, one object and exclude everything around it. So concentration practices is where you, you choose an object and concentrate, absorb into it at, at, to the exclusion of everything else. And then vipassana in this insight practice is not, is, is the point that includes. Does a point need to be just a small little dot or is it the totality, you know, oneness, the point that includes then this is the attitude of vipassana. It's, you know, contrasting it to samatha, which is a point that excludes, and then the point that includes is consciousness open, non-attached to any, any point, any condition. So that's, of course, a change from absorbing into a condition to letting go of condition phenomena. So this is, this is intuitive awareness then. It's, it's, uh, it includes everything. So everything belongs, you know, the changing conditions, whatever their qualities might be, the devil, the angels, the gods, Good, bad, right, and wrong, heaven, hell, the best, the worst, all variations, permutations between the extremes. But it's in a perspective of not, you know, rather than being helplessly caught in reacting to the best and the worst, to heaven and hell, a relationship changes to puto from knowing all conditions. This uh, kind of re- consciousness redu- uh, is reducible to a point without limitation. No limit. And it's, it's, it's reality, it's recognized, it's, this is it, this, this mindfulness. There is the escape from the born, the created, the form, the condition. It's not through annihilating and killing off everything and and uh, going into oblivion. But this, uh, you know, from this particular limited position that that I find myself in this form, this body, this karma, these tendencies. You know, I don't need to have become God and know everything, but just from the limitation of the human condition that we find ourselves experiencing now, we can realize ultimate reality. It's, it's here, it's now. It's never, never lost it or never, you know, it's never been absent. It's just not noticed, not recognized because of this ignorance of icha, bhajaya, sankara, Sankara Bhajaya Vinyana.
ignorance is the cause of suffering. So this this uh, this paradigm, the unborn, uncreated, this thing, this is really a skillful use of thinking of concepts. To me, I just I just uh, I'm find this is a, one of the great inventions. You know, using the thinking process. And, 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 you know, to, not to, to define anything, but to give us a, a paradigm or a, some kind of uh, teaching that the relationship of form to space the unborn, uncreated, to the born, the created. And it's not, but it's beyond, so the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, it's non, you can't conceive it, imagine it. So this is what mindfulness is, uh, is the only possible, the only possibility to recognize the unborn, uncreated is this. And then as you affirm that more and more and trust it, then your relationship to the born that created the form is not escaping it. doesn't mean we're annihilating it or destroying. We're not, we're not attached to it. We have a perspective. We can observe. You know, there's observing. The feeling is like this. Loving, hating, liking, disliking, desire for becoming, desire for destruction, the sense of myself, my self-worth, my personality, my f- fears and and anxieties, tendencies, habits, identities, all of that is in perspective from this. Where on a personal level, where does it, where can you ever get yourself together? You know, just going, trying to change the conditions, try to refine yourself, make yourself better. Uh, you know, and, and by constantly trying to to uh, create better perceptions, positive ways of thinking, controlling your environment, so you're surrounding yourself with beauty and goodness and trying to keep out the opposite. You know, build, a, you know, this utopian world of refinement and beauty by... Uh, Rejecting the other, the ugly, the vulgar, the stupid. Or does it all belong in this moment? Refinement, coarseness, stupidity, vulgarity, right, wrong, devils, angels. They're all conditions. They have forms, they have qualities, quantities, <clears throat> but the unconditioned is this. And so this is like this retreat is recognized, it's, it's constant reflection on this because it's so easy to be pulled into the problems, personal problems, community problems, worldly problems, family problems, condition realm, all problems. It's all about problems. Life is a problem, you know, from the conditioned perspective. And when has life never really been a problem for any of us? You know, there are moments where one, maybe one feels there's no problems, but you can't sustain that illusion. There's always a possibility for more problems. You know, in the conditioned realm, you solve this problem, but then you know, maybe for a while you think, well, the problems of the community are over now, but then you know that there's going to be more problems. (laughs) Because this realm is all about problems, birth and death, isn't it? And it's about, you know, meeting and separating and changing conditions, environmental problems, 
international problems, economical pro economy problems, political problems, religious problems. The problems then, say, you know, getting this, taking this word problem, and that's thinking that we can ever resolve all the problems so that we we have a completely secure, safe, conditioned realm to live in. But to recognize here and now, Pachubana Dhamma, <clears throat> There is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. And if there was not, there'd be no escape from the problems. Life is just one problem after another on the conditioned plane. So then, ask yourself, are you going to take refuge in problems? Should we take refuge in communal problems, sangha problems? personal problems, monastic problems, societal problems. We do, don't we? We become so, so intimidated, so emotionally fraught with the problems, one's own problems, relational problems. And it never ends. It just goes from, you know, problems change, but they change into other problems. <laughs> so where is the escape? And that is mindfulness. So then the, you know, the Pabana day tomorrow, then the, there'll be, we who began, you know, entered the Masa, exit, I'll be going away, leaving, England next month, one could create problems around that. I can create problems around it. You can create problems around it. So it's not to dismiss it or say you shouldn't create problems, but trust yourself to have this perspective. Problems are, you know, the conditioned realm. Don't expect them to ever end or that, that if I stay here that there'll be no problems. You know darn well I've, my presence here doesn't stop problems from arising. And some people blame me for the problems. <laughs> so some people are glad I'm going because they think the hydrogen tomatoes out of the way, we can solve the problems. Or whatever, you know, it's, this is, it goes on and on, you know, meeting, coming together, separating, birth and death. Once you kind of accept the conditioned realm for what it is and not make a problem about it, because it is a problem, and if you create problems around problems, then you know, you got yourself in a, in a vicious circle of misery. So like the Buddha said, look, the conditioned realm is like this, anicca dukkanata. It's insubstantial. It's nothing, you know, it's, it's just conditions arising, ceasing. And it's not to say it's, you know, to say it's bad because of that. It's just like this. And we have to learn from this within the changing conditions we find ourselves, our aging, physical aging and emotional uh, problems and worldly problems, feelings, thoughts, views, opinions, wars, political, economic, religious, but we have a perspective, there is an escape, not through eradicating, but through understanding, through this knowing with wisdom, knowing consciousness with wisdom. And this is, you know, within the limitation of, of the human forms that we have, this is, this is, uh, this is the escape. And to worldly values, it's nothing. It doesn't seem, it's worthless. It doesn't have that, 
that gravitas of, of you know, really trying to convert everything into being what we would like. What should be? What's fair? What's just? What's truly beautiful and worthy of our attention? So it's not a utopian ideal, you know, desire to to make everything better and better, but to understand. And that understanding then, that perfect understanding resides in this relationship of there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. And that's the way that the born, the created, the formed, the conditioned, we can bear with that, with the changing conditions. If we have this knowledge, jnana, dasana, insight, knowledge, knowing, discerning, ignorance, not, uh, avicca, avicca, discerning, attachment, non-attachment, suffering, non-suffering, self and non-self. So in my own practice, you know, self, I know the self, the personality, the condition self-view, the sakyaditi like this, non-self is this. Now when non-self is awareness, pure subjective conscious awareness of and non-attachment to conditions. But it isn't an annihilation or a destruction of conditions. So you see discernment then is is the discerning the difference between attaching out of ignorance and non-attachment. And this this we can do. This is this is the escape hatch. This is the the kind of perfection of our human state. This must be the the fulfillment of our human birth is to know this, just this, because it's humbling. It's not you don't kind of float up in the air and dance on sunbeams or anything. It's just very. Uh, still, stable, unshakable knowing of Dhamma, of the way it is. 